So, we've had a couple of significant things to do this morning, so I'm going to ask you not to worry about the, the time today, uh, because I want Philip to feel that freedom of uh, being able to give this message, which is a, a wrap-up uh, message with uh, our Love One Another series, but it's really bigger series than that. God has said, living waters, are you all in? And that's what he's been saying about 2023. And you might, I have to, I'll remind us, what, what do you mean, all in, all in about what? I'm going to go to a couple of scriptures from Jesus. And the setting of John chapter 4 is that Jesus has traveled into Samaria. Usually, Jews would go around it. He's traveled into it. His disciples are uncomfortable. And through an incredible uh, set of events by the Holy Spirit, a harvest breaks out in Samaria. And it's the last place that his followers, who were the leaders of this, uh, you know, his pupils under him, would think, you mean, God, you can win Samaritans to you? They can come to Christ? Their minds are getting blown. And this is what he says after they're seeing this, this harvest. It's John chapter 4, verse 35. And it says, Jesus speaking, do you not say, there are still four months, and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes, look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. See, they thought, oh, you, it can't happen there. It, it's hopeless. Oh, it may be someday. Long. No, it's now. It's not four months from now. Living waters, it's now. Any delay in us. Right. Saying, oh, I've got to pray more. I've got to get do this. No, no, no. It's now. It's now. And, and that's what we're saying yes to the all-in call. Yes, we're all in to the harvest. Another scripture, Luke chapter 10. Jesus has already sent out the 12 to minister two by two. They're amazed how, how we can pray in Jesus' name. God can work. Now he's sending out 72, a larger group. And this is what he says to them, Luke ten two. Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. We're saying, yes, I'm all in, Lord of the harvest, Jesus Christ. Send me. Pray no longer about me being a laborer. I'm saying, yes, I'm a laborer in your fields. Thank you, Lord, for this work of your Holy Spirit, that you're moving living waters into this obedience to your scriptures and to your word. It's an honor, Lord. We gladly say yes. Amen. Let's give Philip Whitehead, our executive pastor, a big hand. All right, it's 1130. I've got to talk fast and furious. Right here, it's a little sheet you should have in front of you. If you can't, if you don't have it right in front of you, find, of it, find it on your table. There should be one for every chair. It is your note-taking sheet. And um, so let's jump in with both feet and give God some, some time here this morning to speak to our hearts. My assignment for today was uh, actually for last Sunday, and that had to be postponed because of uh, us being in Tennessee, but uh, 
I was to preach on Be Thankful for One Another, which is the title of the message today. And it was to occur on the week of Thanksgiving, which I thought, I don't know if Pastor planned that or it just fell that way, but uh, that was what we were supposed to be doing. And you know, I just want to think about Thanksgiving here for a second as it relates to being thankful for one another. For all the things that we should be thankful for, being thankful for one another should be at the very top of the list. Thanksgiving as a holiday, as we know it in America, hasn't been around all that many years. But having a thankful heart is a biblical attitude and a spiritual discipline that God himself originated as part of our relationship to him and to each other. And I started to think, where in Scripture are we commanded to be thankful for one another? Where do you think it first shows up? Does the law of Moses tell us to be thankful for one another? The first four laws, I'm just going to use the Ten Commandments, because the law of Moses covers a lot of things across many books, but let's just talk about the Ten Commandments. First four laws in the Ten Commandments are directed toward God, how we're to relate to Him. The other six are commandments on how to treat our neighbor, how to relate to one another. Uh, we're not to lie, we're not to steal from him, we're not to covet his possessions. And these thou shalt not laws, and that's how God framed them, thou shalt not, are there to teach us to honor others and treat them with fairness and dig- dignity and respect. If a man is truly thankful for another, he wouldn't want to steal from him, he wouldn't want to take his wife, he wouldn't want to uh, covet his possessions. And so the Ten Commandments are rules designed to guide a, a man's behavior toward God and toward his fellow man. The attitude of thankfulness, though, is just not in the vocabulary of God as he gives Moses his law. So do the books of of the law, Genesis through Deuteronomy, do they teach us to be thankful? No, they don't. But there are stories within those books that show us the spirit of thankfulness. Don't you think Abraham was thankful for Isaac? Yeah. Ponder the relationship Noah must have had with his wife and sons and their wives. Don't you know that their experience in building the ark and being rescued by God in it made Noah very thankful for his family. And uh, so do the books of history teach us to be thankful for one another? Not in so many words, but we do see relationships that display a loving, thankful heart. Think of Ruth and Naomi. This daughter-in-law loves her mother-in-law. She says, I will go where you go. I'll lodge where you will lodge. Your God will be my God. She has to be thankful for the relationship she has with her mother-in-law. Think of Jonathan and David, two better friends you could not have. And I think they had to be thankful for one another. Do the books of poetry, Song of Solomon, the Psalms, the Proverbs, teach us to be thankful for one another? You're not going to find that teaching exactly in there. And much is made about thanking God for His blessings to praise Him, to worship Him, it would stand to reason that if I see you as a blessing to me, I would be thankful unto God for you. 
I'm working myself through the Bible. Can you tell? Do the prophets speak of being thankful for one another? Not really. Don't you believe that Daniel was very thankful for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego for standing in the fiery furnace with him? Very thankful for them. Elisha was thankful for Elijah as he mentored and trained him to be a prophet before God. But we just don't see the command to be thankful for one another in any of these stories in books of the Old Testament. There are plenty of scriptures on being thankful to God. All through the history of Israel, the Psalms, the prophets, are com- there are commands to be thankful to God and tell of his deeds among the people. First Chronicles 16.35, Say also, the Bible says, Save us, O God of our salvation, and gather and deliver us from the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Psalm 95, 2, let us come into the presence of the Lord with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. So when do we see or witness anyone telling us to be thankful for one another? Well, let me take you back to the very first scripture that we used in the first uh, installment of this series. Pastor Stephen was preaching that day, and he, and he used John 13, 34 through 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. What did Jesus say about that commandment? It was new. It was new to their hearing. It was new to their understanding. I'm to love one another. And in that love is thanksgiving. He says, as, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. You see, loving one another is the umbrella over all the other one another's. You can't do the others well without loving one another. Jesus didn't specifically tell us to be thankful for one another. He didn't specifically tell us to encourage one another or to serve one another, although he showed it by the towel and the bowl. But he showed us how to love and to practice all these one another's as he worked with his disciples, as he ministered to the people throughout the Gospels. If I love you... As Jesus teaches me to, I will be thankful for you. So we actually see much of the one another's in scriptures being spoken to more specifically in Paul's letters, Peter's writings, in the letters of John and others. And often the examples of giving thanks for others shows up in the beginning of these letters, and especially in the letter letters of Paul. But I think that Paul's expression of thankfulness at the beginning of his letters, and we're going to look at some of those in a bit, it's more than just a line that we might read in a letter today, such as, I hope this letter finds you well. It's not just a nice way of opening the letter. It's his true heartfelt passion. I thank God for you all. I'm thankful for you all. We can thank God for many things. Many earthly things, our home, our job, our food, our clothes, blessings of life. Thank God for our church. We can thank God for spiritual things, uh, heavenly things, God's steadfast love, His grace, His mercy, the faith He gives us to believe, our salvation, the blood of Jesus, the power of the cross, power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
We can be thankful for all these things. Paul admonishes us in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks. For what? It's the will of God concerning you. Earlier in that same chapter of 1 Thessalonians 5, it says these words, and I'm going to quote from the King James. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. I love that phrase, esteem them very highly. Now, Paul's talking pretty much about the leadership of the church, pastors and elders and uh, home group leaders in these uh, home churches. But that can be applied to everyone. And I don't think it's a, it's a, a fracture of the Scripture to make it apply to everyone. We are to esteem each other very highly. If we do so, we will be thankful. So let me ask you a question. Do you believe that we arouse God's attention when we thank Him for the special blessing that someone is to us? If I say, God, I thank you for Linda Razor. I'm looking right at her right now. I thank you for that sweet lady. Do you think I get God's attention on her behalf? I think we do. I believe, and this is number four on your fill-in-the-blank, I believe we stir God's heart to bless others by being thankful for them in prayer. I said in the little video I sent out to you last night, what I want to show you today is how we unlock blessings for others when we're thankful for them. We set God at more liberty to express His goodness in their lives when we say thank you to Him for them. Of all the wonderful things God created, mankind is considered the crown of that creation. And to engage in earnest thanksgiving, heartfelt praise and thankfulness toward that crown of God's creation, this has to stir God's attention. He sent Jesus to die for you and to me for that crown, to redeem it. And we're engaging in thankfulness for it. And if we do it in prayer, then we've addressed God in the process of our thankfulness for another. I think that it's possible that thanksgiving regarding a fellow man to God in prayer stirs his heart toward that individual to open the windows of heaven, allowing more blessings to flow in their direction. Hey, when we pray, we often say, Lord, thank you for, please bless them. And we may have specifics. Please give them health. Please give them finances. Bless them in their relationships. And even more specific than that, but we we, we actually say it. We should never neglect or let go cold our thankfulness for one another. I believe Paul practiced this daily, and I want to look at some scriptures that either model thanking God for others or commands us to do so. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 1, 4 through 9. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. 
It says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that we were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. I'll just stop there for time's sake. I thank my God always concerning you, Paul says. In 1 Thessalonians 1, 2-4, and I am going to deal with this a little more later, we give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, and your patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to notice this. Paul, when he opens his letters to these churches, he does not express his thanks directly to them. He thanks God for them and for their faithful living and for the work of God in them. He thanks God for this work of redemption that he's witnessing in them. And so for everything concerning them, he thanks God. Is there something there for us to see? I think there is. And I believe that's the thing that the Lord has shown me as I've studied for this message. It will make a huge difference in our prayer life if we understand it. In 1 Corinthians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Timothy, Ephesians, and Philippians, all five of those letters, Paul opens the letter by saying, I thank God for you. Or he says, I thank God for you all. So he must have been raised in southern Israel. Y'all. Okay? He, he thanks God for the work of redemption that he witnesses in these people. I thank you all for being so faithful. I thank you... Uh, well, let, let me say this. He doesn't say to them, thank you all for being so faithful. He doesn't say, thank you guys over there in Philippi. Thank you guys for your love for me and the church. Uh, Ephesians, thank you everyone for being so genuine in your faith. He doesn't say it like that. There's a, there's a reason for that. He didn't thank them directly for these things. Paul thanked God, that's our next fill in the blank, for them and for the work of God in them. He directed his gratitude to God for what he saw or experienced, and then he spelled out what it was he was thankful for. I believe Paul's method of being thankful for one another puts his gratitude at a completely different orbit, a different level. And in the words of that great theologian and Food Network chef, Emeril Lagasse, he kicked it up a notch because of the way he approached his gratitude for others. Paul's process and pattern of thankfulness for people makes his gratitude a holy thing. And I've I, I created this little thing. I didn't find this anywhere. No, you're going too fast for me, David. Get back. <clears throat> God is receiving the praise and the thanksgiving directly, not the people. God is getting the glory, not the people. Yet, the people, upon hearing Paul's gratitude in his letter, now know that they are pleasing to Paul, and also pleasing to God. The apostle whom they would have respected and loved and admired is mentioning them with a grateful heart in prayer to God. You're still running ahead of me. Take that back. I don't want to give that away just yet. Take it back. One, 
once, there we go. So what does Paul's thankfulness to God on their behalf accomplish? Why is this important? Listen to this, and this is your next fill in the blank. So that may, our slide may be out of order. Paul's method of expressing his thanksgiving for others sanctifies his gratitude and sanctifies their receiving of it. Oh, my goodness. That was like a revelation to me. There's something holy in his thankfulness because of the way he did it. God empowered them to live the way they did. God strengthened their faith. God kept their hearts before him. God enthused their labor of love with himself. All of it was the work of God in them, not their own ability and flesh. By directing the goodness and grace he has accomplished through them. Now go to that one where the, all the sanctifieds are up there. By directing his gratitude of, other, of others toward God, Paul avoids using his praise in a self-serving or manipulative way. His gratitude for people is elevated to worship and to prayer. To set apart unto God, to sanctification. Not to be used for appealing to someone's inner need to be appreciated or used for some emotional or psychological manip- manipulation. Let me illustrate that. Have you ever heard someone say, you're so very good at doing this, I'm going to give you this project to work on. You just take it and run with it. You're so very talented, would you please do this for us? What are they doing? What are they doing? Talk to me. They're manipulating you. They're praising you, they're thanking you for something, kind of shallow, but... It's there. And then they're manipulating to get you to do something. I don't like that. Do you like that? Mm -mm. I just think it's wrong to be thankful and then drop a big bomb on somebody. This is an unsanctified use of our thankfulness and appreciation for others. How about this one? You see that someone is really needy emotionally right now, and you make up something to try to show appreciation for them, who they are. You're so important to me. And it comes off a little bit shallow, comes off disingenuine, because you're, you're trying to soothe them. Make, it might be that God has them in a crucible right now. And you just, you just came in between God and them by trying to appease them, by trying to settle something. In a, in a fake way. Our thankfulness for one another must be very genuine. And if it's sanctified in prayer to God first, be a whole lot better as you use it. Uh, here's a way of being uh, where we, try, we sometimes can misuse our praise. Uh, I've had people say to this, I say this to me so many times, maybe, they, maybe I give reason for it, I don't know. But they say to me, you know, I want to tell you something, but I don't want to give you the big head. What are they about to do? Talk to me. What are they about to do? Huh? They're about to give me a good word. They're about to show me some appreciation. 
I want to tell you something, but I don't want to give you the big head. Honestly, if you think it's going to tempt me to pride, don't tell me. Don't tell me. But what it is, is they don't want it to appeal your pride. They want it to be a sanctified thing. They want, it, they want to really brag on you and tell you something good. But when that happens to me, whoop, I just close up like that. In my, in my head, I don't say it, but I say, don't tell me. Well, don't tell me. Don't tell me. And it's hard for me to receive the very thing they want to bless me with. What if they did this? What if instead they said, Pastor Philip, I thank God for the message you brought last Sunday. Pastor Philip, I thank you for coming by my hospital room and praying with me last Tuesday afternoon. It gave me so much strength and courage to carry on. It was such a blessing. I just thank God for you doing that. What, would that, what does that do? That puts it in a whole other place. That makes it sacred to me. I, if, if I'm walking with God, am I going to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I came by. It was all me. I'm not going to do that. And so we, we can use this in a very productive way, in a very uh, integrous way. I don't know if the word is right, but we, we, we're, we have great integrity when we do it this way. What if you were writing a note to somebody and you said, my friend... Uh, I thank God for you. You make my life richer and more rewarding to have you as my friend. And you say, I thank God for you. That would just be so much richer for them to receive it and make that thanksgiving kicked up a notch out in a different orbit. Now, it doesn't work every time. And am I saying we should never thank somebody directly for what they've done? No, you can do that. That's still good. Not to say you should never do that. It wouldn't work if, you know, supper one night, Susan gets up and she goes to uh, put something away and she comes back with an extra glass of tea for me. I wouldn't say, well, I thank my God, Susan, for this new, this, you filling my tea glass up again. That, that just wouldn't be right. That wouldn't be a proper use, but it can be used in a good way in its proper season its proper uh, formation to do it in its proper time. So when expressing thankfulness to others, be specific about the reasons for why you are thankful. And I'm going to talk to you about that. I have an entire page of development on this, but I don't have the time for it. Let me just hit it real quick. I'm going to throw a, a scripture passage up there. And, and David, I don't think we gave them when expressing thankfulness to others. We need to get that up. Uh, be specific about the reasons for why you're thankful. Now let's look at um, this First Thessalonians passage uh, that I want to just show you how Paul does it. He says, we give thanks to God always for you all. Do we have that up? Yeah. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God and Father. So he's telling them he's thankful for them, and then he specifies the things he's seeing. Now, they're pretty general, but at least he is enumerating the things. So if I say, 
uh, I write a note uh, to, let's say, which has been on my mind the last few days, to Ed Preston. And I say, Ed, I thank you so much for your faithful service to Living Waters for these 20 years. I thank God for what you've done for our men's ministry and that you continue on to be faithful in that, even wanting it to grow here of late. I thank God for everything you've done to minister to men in our church. I have, I have specified, I've given praise to God and then let it spill over into points of specificity to let him know why I'm giving God the glory. So let's get, we're coming around third base. Let me just kind of get to the wrap up here. I want to give you five things that are, I think are important for us to know as we close out this piece of our love one another. Number one, we are to obey the mandate to thank God for others. I find that in 2 Thessalonians 1.3. Paul says there, we are bound to thank God always for you. I am mandated. I, I have to do it. I cannot neglect that. I am bound to thank God always for you. So if we ignore that command, that's a grave mistake. And we can get so wrapped up in our own lives that we fail to do it often. Number two, speak of your thankfulness for someone to others. Speak of your thankfulness for someone to others. He says in, in the verse following, 2 Thessalonians 1, 4, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience, there he's going, being specific, and your faith in all your persecutions and tribulations. Do you brag on other people? Do you brag on other people? If we're in a conversation and Larry Southard's name comes up, if I have a good and wonderful thought about my love for him, why wouldn't it be good for me just to say it? We're talking. Larry Southard's name comes up and I say, you know, Larry is one of the finest godly men I have ever known. His faithfulness to Christ, there's, he's second to none. I could say that. We could brag on each other. What does that do? What does that do? Edifies, builds up. Isn't it better than gossip? Oh, yeah. And look, you say, well, I don't do that. You can. You can learn to do it. I used to not do it either. But I'm trying to find ways to say it more often more often to brag on you if your name comes up in a conversation, if I can make it happen. All right? We boast. I believe Paul, when he'd go to Philippi, say, let me, let me tell you about those Thessalonican Christians. Ah, they persevere in hope. You know, their labor of love is nothing better. He's telling things about other churches to inspire others. Number three, Joyfully care people, carry people in your heart and love them with the affection of Jesus. Is that up there? Where are we? Joyfully carry people in your heart and love them 
with the affection of Jesus. Paul says in Philippians 1, 3 through 8, and I'm going to read this whole little passage because it's so good. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, requesting for you all with joy, for uh, making requests for you all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think this of you, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, they... They supported him in all of his conditions, whether it was in prison or whether it was out preaching. You are all partakers with me of grace, for God is my witness how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. I'm sorry that... Oh, there it is. It's come back now. We got it. Let me tell you, folks, the first years of my ministry... I was not ready to handle people who would disappoint me. I was not ready to handle people who would let me down. I was not ready to handle people that I would provide good counsel to and they didn't take it. They went on in their sin. They didn't show up. They didn't pull through. And I didn't carry people with joy. Are you like that? I let a few push out all the people I could have carried with joy. Thank God that has changed. We can't let folks that are disappointing, family that is kind of ruining things for us, we can't let that keep us from carrying people with joy in our hearts. I can honestly say, I carry you all with joy in my heart. And I love you with the affection of Jesus. That's the love we want to be expressing. That's the love we want to be having to flow through us. Number four, make your thankfulness for others frequent and repetitive. 2 Timothy 1, 3-5, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my fathers did, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day, day and night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I do it all the time. I repeat it over and over to God. I express my thanks for you. Number five, make it a habit and don't be selective. And I put there the word all men because we're going to see it in 1 Timothy 2.1. But let's look at Ephesians 1.15-16. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you. I make it a habit. Making mention of you in my prayers. 1 Timothy 2.1. Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. This isn't just for the body of Christ. This is for your neighbor. I thank God for my neighbors, Nick and Andrea. I thank God for my neighbors, Robert. 
and his wife. I thank God for Dick, for Kurt and Cece. I thank God for my neighbors. And those are my literally next door neighbors. I thank God for Scott, who's the deputy sheriff, lives three doors up from me with his cruiser sitting out in the front yard to keep the bad guys away. Yeah. We thank God for all men. So let's close it by this summary. What are the results of our study today of being thankful for one another? Number one, God is glorified when you first turn your thankfulness for others to Him. Number two, our thankfulness for others is sanctified as it is offered directly to God. Number three, the recipient hears your sanctified thanksgiving and is greatly encouraged in a holy way, in a sanctified way. And as we share our thankfulness of people with others, we boast about someone else, we tell good things about someone else, as we speak well of them, we edify and we build up each other in Christ Jesus. So today we've been learning how to be thankful. We learned how to encourage one another. We learned how to bear one another's burdens. We learned how to serve one another. To be members of one another. And then that very first one was just to love one another. Did you know there's about 53 more one another's in the New Testament? There's a, there's a total of 59 in all. And there are, these are specific commands teaching us how and how not to relate to one another. We've only scratched the surface discussing how Jesus would have us relate to one another. Let us seek to mature in our relationships together so that we may be holy and healthy, strong and unafraid, courageous and free in the Spirit of God to take this relational beauty that is a hallmark of the body of Christ out into the world that desperately needs what we have to offer. And to that end, I'm going to encourage you to turn to your neighbors around your table, dig into those questions for as long as you can stay, and uh, ask God to speak to you. I will say, table facilitators, before your group gets up, would you just have a prayer of commitment? Today needs to be a prayer of commitment that we're going to pursue loving one another in these ways. Let me pray right now, and then I'm going to talk to the uh, online audience while you guys start. Father, we just ask you to help us in all of these areas of loving one another. And today we've talked about being thankful, how important it is to always carry people joyfully in our heart and be thankful for each other. We pray now that you would uh, weave on your, the loom of our heart these principles and truths into the fabric of our being and transform us more into the likeness and image of Jesus Christ whom we love and serve. It's in his name we pray. Amen.